You know, um, I was gone last week, and um, we tuned in online and watched the service. It was a great day last week, and I was just reminded last week and today, praise the Lord. Did my voice go away? Okay, so I was just reminded about how many uh, people serve at Christian Life in the ministry that's here, and how that Oftentimes, when you come and you, you sit on a Sunday morning and you see me or Landon, whoever's teaching, you know, if you're not careful, your mind will associate, well, those are the ministers at Christian Life, and those are the ones that everything needs to flow through. It's so not true. And it, it is a privilege for me to be a teaching pastor here and, and to lead the organization, but when I think of the dozens of discipleship coaches that we have here that are serving the family of God. I think of all of our C group leaders. I think of that ministry team that's back there ministering to the kids right now. I think of the, yeah, these, these, you know, I think of the responders here that are, that are watching over us to keep us safe when we, when we come. I think of the givers that are investing sacrificially enormous amounts of money for uh, Malinke Jula to come to the Lord. And so, I'm just saying to you, we're in this thing together. And if you are not actively, you know, finding your place, you haven't actively found your place in Christian life, let's, my desire is to move you maybe this summer from a spectator's seat into a participator, to get out of the stands, and let's get in the game, everybody. Amen? Isn't that a good word for you this morning? Okay, now, um, what I want to share with you today, I mean, really this morning, it has the potential to change your life. Of course, the Word of God always has the potential to change our lives, but if you can hear what I'm saying today and really receive it, I mean, if you can come to faith about what I'm going to present to you from the Scripture today. Uh, you will be able to come closer to God than you ever have before. And it has the potential to open up such revelation to you between you and God that you will feel secure, that you will feel productive, that you will feel loved by God in such a way that your life will never be the same. I'm talking about finding pleasure in God. You know, for some of us, that that's elusive. You see, Emily was talking about it a few minutes ago about during worship. I mean, there may be some of you that you don't really know what we were talking about when we're like, we could just sit in God's pray in an atmosphere of praise like that all day and just enjoy it. Well, it's elusive to some because they have not connected with God in their spirit, in their heart. In fact, today I think if you walked on the street, and you ask people, who is God, and what is He like? That would be a dangerous question to just go with a notepad and just go and ask people, who is God to you, and what is He like? I mean, you would hear things like He's distant or non-existent. If He is alive, He's uncaring, or He's unknowable, or some people would say He's man-made. There's lots of opinions about God, a lot of rumors about God. There are a lot of, of um, definitions that have been attributed to God that don't define Him. And what, what if I told you that God actually defined Himself, that God Himself revealed His name and His nature and His values? And the most important things that he wants us to know about him. Now, an eternal God is exhaustive, and we would never be able to exhaust the revelation, the full revelation of who God is. This is why it's, this is why eternity is so much fun for us. We're looking forward to new discoveries about God on an ongoing basis. But I, I want you to know that God has self-disclosed who he is. And I think it's really important for us to understand because oftentimes we filter our, our knowledge of God from our experiences, 
from our built-in biases, from what we've read in, in Scripture, and we, we have the tendency, because our hearts have been tainted by sin, we have the tendency to go towards the negative all the time. And it interferes with our ability, see, because even our language oftentimes, uh, we speak things that are so negative about ourselves and about God, and it creates a belief system that's not true. That's why knowing the Word is so important. I mean, accurately knowing the Word of God, because when you connect and you repeat the Word to yourself, then you're speaking the, <coughs> the heavenly language that God has for you. So, there's this passage in Scripture that I've been wanting to teach on for quite some time, and, um, and today I'm just going to take a few moments and just open it up for us, okay? We're just going to study the Word of God. And, but we have to go to the setting because this is found in the Old Testament, and the setting of this self-disclosure from God it actually happened with Moses. Now, you remember the story of Moses, right, everybody, that he uh, was an Israelite that was raised by Pharaoh, and that he was chosen by God to lead the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, out of 400 years of slavery, brutal slavery, by the Egyptians. 400 years. That's about eight generations that they were enslaved in Egypt. Do you remember the story that God called, spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. Is everybody with me? Are you all on the same page? I know we got a lot of folks that are new to the Bible here, but this is pretty classic stuff. Most people know of this story. And Pharaoh was resistant, the leader of Egypt, the emperor of Egypt was resistant, so God sent plagues. And then finally when he relented, um, the Jews came marching out and they got to the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. You guys remember that? The Red Sea? was parted, and then he led, it was about a million of them, led them into the wilderness, and they began to grumble a little bit because they were hungry. It was uncomfortable, but in the wilderness, God fed them, miraculously fed them with manna from heaven. Somebody say, whoa. God, it's amazing. He, he led them by a cloud during the day and, and provided shadow and shade for them and a pillar of fire at night. Amazing things that God was doing. And in the process of this, God calls Moses up to a mountain, Mount Sinai, and he was there for several days, several weeks, in fact, and God downloaded to him the terms of a covenant. A covenant is an agreement. Uh, it's a devotion to a relationship, and God gave him the terms of the covenant, and there were some thou shalt nots, right? He gave, actually gave them the Ten Commandments. He wrote it on he wrote it on tablets of stone. Moses received the Ten Commandments, but he was up there for about 40 days so long that the Israelites down on the side of the mountain, they thought he was killed. Uh, they thought he died. And so they were frustrated because they still didn't really know who God was. They saw what God was doing for them, but they didn't really know him. In fact, they were kind of scared of him. And so now Moses is gone. And he's not coming back, and so they decided they were going to create their own image of a god. And they just came from a land of a thousand gods, because Egypt had a, everything was a god in Egypt, and they worshiped everything. And so they create a golden calf. Y'all remember the story of the golden calf? And Moses is having a conversation with God, and God says, oh, um, look, dude, you got to get down. I, mean, I don't know if God said dude, but he kind of did. It's like, this is bad. You need to get down those people, your people. And Moses comes down and he sees them dancing around this idol and creating and, um, you know, and having all kinds of acts of immorality. And they were worshiping very similar to the way the Egyptians worshiped. And God's like, no, you're going to be different than the Egyptians. I'm, you are my people and we're going to do things different. But they chose to create an image and they said, and they attributed the power and the deliverance to that golden calf. This is the greatest insult you could give to God. And they gave it. This was a low point, everybody. And it does say of God that his anger was kindled against them because he couldn't believe that they would treat him with such contempt. Moses got so angry, 
he broke the tablets, right? And it was, it, it was drama. Y'all can go back and read it. It was a big drama. And God's like, I think I'm going to just raise up a different people. And Moses started interceding, right, on their behalf. And he said, God, please don't. L- listen, I know I hate these people too. <laughs> okay. But I'm one of them. And you know, we're messed up people. And we've, we've been messed up for a long time. And would you forgive us and give us another chance? Well, God, in his great mercy, said, okay, let's do round two. So God forgave them, and he says, come up and see me again. And then Moses says to him, I know this is a history lesson, but you got to set the stage, everybody. And Moses says to him, this time, the second round, up on the mountain, the, the golden calf has been thrown down. And Moses says, I've heard about you, I've seen you, but I want to know you. I want to know your... Sorry, everybody, this is so powerful. I get emotional about this. He's like, I want to see your face. I want to know your name. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. And God says to Moses, I'm going to proclaim my name to you. I'm going to show you my glory. But you can't see my face, I'm sorry. Because if you saw my face, you wouldn't live. Can I just say, the God that you serve is not this wimpy, dissipating, old man God. This is Yahweh. This is God Almighty. And God says to Moses, listen to this. He says, I want you to go up on this mountain and I am going to let my goodness pass by you. Wow. I've been meditating on this for a few weeks. I'm just going to let my goodness pass by you. Can I just, can I just say that, that this is the dynamic of worship? It's like we are worshiping God, and all of a sudden, goodness of God manifests. It comes alive in your mind. It comes alive in your spirit. And your body sometimes can't even handle it. Because what happens in the physical, sometimes in the spiritual, even affects the physical. That's why God said, if you saw all of my glory, you physically wouldn't even be able to endure it. And so, my goodness, when it passes by, I am going to proclaim my name. Everybody? So, you, get, you, you, got, you got the setting here. Israel has just really disappointed God. They've stooped to an incredible low, and they almost lost everything. But Moses stands in the gap, and God says, because you have a heart for me, we're going to do this again. And I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to proclaim my name. And God self-discloses. Exodus chapter 34, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a cloud. I'm reading from the Holman translation. I wanted to do this because it shows some of the original, the original name uh, that God uses. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name Yahweh. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, rich in faithful love and truth. And then he keeps saying this, and I'm maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing and rebellion and sin, but I will not leave the guilty unpunished bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Don't let me lose you there. We will talk about this maybe next week. I want you to get this. Moses immediately bowed down to the ground, and he worshiped. His goodness passes over. He hears God's name. His goodness is revealed to him, and Moses bows down and worship. Worship, when you get a real revelation of the goodness of God, it makes you want to get on your face and just worship. 
It doesn't make you want to argue. It doesn't, you're not allowed to yawn. Well, I'm talking about when you really see the goodness of God. And this is my prayer for us, that God would reveal to us the goodness of God, and we would know his covenant name. All right. So, let's talk about this. Yahweh. Yahweh. Now, sometimes in your Bible, when you see it, when you're reading through some translations, you'll see the word Lord that's capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's, that is the word translated Yahweh. Uh, there are some translations, modern translations, that they don't capitalize it, but then underneath in, in the Hebrew language is the word Yahweh that is there. And so, you've heard people uh, ex- express the word Yahweh to God. You've heard them use the word Yeshua for Jesus. I'm going to talk about some of this stuff over the next uh, couple of teachings, but I want you to get this, everybody, because Yahweh is the, per- is the personal and sacred name for God. And he actually had already given it to Moses at the burning bush encounter. In fact, if you go back, Exodus chapter 3, Moses sees the bush on fire that will not burn, and a voice speaks to him and tells him, remember, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. This is sacred, what you are experiencing right now. In other words, this is very unique. It doesn't happen with everybody. This is very powerful. It's very sacred. It's holy. And, and God told them, I want you to go to the Israelites, and I want you to tell them that I have sent you. And then you'll go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And in verse 13, if I go to the Israelites, this is Moses speaking to God, and the God of your fathers, and I say the God of your fathers has sent me, they're going to ask me, what is your name? (coughs) Pardon me, everybody. What should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We really don't have a translation for a I am in the English language. It's very interesting. But I want you to think of that name of God, I am, the I am God is the, is the name for the eternal existent one. I just am. There, in, in, in the ever-present, eternity to God is an ever-present now. We think of it in times of uh, in terms of time past and time in the future, because we live in time. God, God transcends time. He just is. I don't want to try to blow your mind, but it is kind of mind-blowing, everybody. God just is, and He lives in this ever-present now. That's why many of the promises that happened way back yesterday and yesteryear, they are yes and amen to us now because God lives in the ever-present now. And the God that represented or ministered to God's people in yesteryear is the same God today, and He will be the same God tomorrow because God transcends time. He is I am. Everybody say, He is I am. I don't want you to get this because literally the I am God is the God who was, who is, and whoever will be. Say it with me, everybody. The God who was, who is, whoever will be. Say it again. He is the God who was, who is, whoever will be. That's Yahweh. In fact, verse 15, it gets even clearer. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, Yahweh the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Yahweh is the eternal God. He is eternal. Now, that, maybe that doesn't mean much to you, but it means an awful lot when you really realize that God has no creator. He is self-sufficient. He is self-existent. He didn't begin and He isn't going to end. This is the delightful thing about serving God, is that He's bigger than your finiteness. He's bigger than your little mind that has to wrap, your, wrap its, you know, brain cells around things. God is a mind-blowing God. He has always been, He always will be, and He's ever-present right now, everybody to meet every need that you have. Yahweh is eternal. 
Glory to God. I love this because Yahweh is seen. Somebody says that Jesus put a face on God. I love the way that express, expresses it because the eternal Son, ever present with God the Father, it says this of, of Him in Colossians chapter 1, that He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. You ever want to know why you exist? Here's the answer. You exist for Him. You were created by Him and for Him, and He's well able to hold your life together when you need holding together. That's Him. God says, this is my name forever. So he's, he's going outside of eternity and come into the framework of time, and he is saying, this is what, this is what will, my name will be forever. This is my covenant name, Yahweh. We're going to break this down a little bit. I just want you to see that God is basically saying that I am eternal and I am, ex I am consistent. I don't change. I'm always the same. Before you were even a thought, I am. And this I am God is so consistent. I love James got a glimpse of this in chapter 1, verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Remember, God said, I'm going to show you my goodness. I'm going to let it pass by you. It all comes from God above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. It's a very interesting verse here, shifting shadows. He's actually referring to an ancient sundial that, you know, and in fact, I think I have, yeah, we have a picture. Okay, here's, a, here's an ancient sundial that was actually used back in ancient times. And it basically is just a piece of stone where the shadows of the sun moving across the sky cast a shadow, right? And when the sun hits its zenith or its peak or at high noon, there is no, sh there's no shadow turning. It's just high noon. Now, this is what James is saying of God. God doesn't shift like the sun moving across the sky. There's no shadows that change with Him. He's always at His zenith. He's never diminishing. He's never waking up in the morning. He's never getting tired in the evening. He's just at the peak of his power all time. This is Yahweh. This is who I am. He doesn't, you don't have to check with God tomorrow morning and wonder, I wonder if he's in a good mood or not. I wonder if he's feeling benevolent. I wonder if I need to tiptoe in his presence. You might be like that, but God is not like that. Hello, everybody. He never changes. He is almighty, all-powerful. Everything that exists only exists because He is. And everything that is would cease to exist if He chose to leave. But He will never diminish. He will be with us for all time. Somebody say glory to God. In verse 6, then the Lord passed in front of him and he proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh. It's so significant that he says this twice to Moses. See, everybody, I want you to see this. What Moses is—this is my sense. I think Moses is concerned because they just disappointed God. They just blew it. Anybody been there before? They're like, oh my gosh. I, I just did what I, what I didn't ever want to do. I just acted inappropriate. And I know this is offensive to God in his character. Have you ever been there before? And you're trying to come back to God? You, you want to know, is his presence still with me? Right? Where's that cloud? Where's that fire? And I think this is what Moses is searching for. It's like, I, I hear your voice, but are you still with me? Will you still be with us? Remember, because Moses said, if you don't go before us, then I'm not going. Everybody, I'm preaching so good right now. 
And I just hope that you, I hope that you are getting it right now. Because here's what I want you to see. God is always at his zenith. And he is always present with you. He's not moody. He's not cranky. He is good. God is good to you. You need a revelation of who Yahweh is, everybody. And he says, I am Yahweh. Yahweh, I'm telling you, that's who I am. And I am a compassionate and gracious God. I love this word, compassionate. I'm not going to go into a bunch of Hebrew stuff, but you realize the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language, New Testament primarily written in the, in the Greek language. And, you know, it can get confusing, but sometimes our English words just don't really translate that well. In fact, there's oftentimes we have to use several words to really give us a good understanding of a Hebrew word. And this word, compassionate, is, and you got to kind of say it like you're clearing your throat like I do when I'm coughing up here. It's rakhum. And it's, it's the root word that has to do for an emotion that comes from the expression of a womb. Yeah, Mother's Day's coming up. Hey, let's just honor all the moms that are in here right now, okay, everybody? Yeah, we love you. And, you know, I just want you to see that there's this, this compassion and love that a mama has for her baby. It is so mysterious, so powerful, it's so innate. And can I just say this about God, and I'm not going to get into a bunch of the transgender and all that kind of stuff, but you just need to know this about God, that God created man and woman in his image because not one gender really could be a full expression of all of the goodness that God is. And so, and, and so it wasn't just Adam that was created in God's image, Eve was created in God's image too. And God's love for his children is, this is the word that's being expressed here, that I am I, I am a compassionate, I have the care and the concern that a mama has for her babies. Now, that's powerful right there. And Moses is hearing what God says because he's just had some rebellious kids that really acted up. But a mama doesn't disown the, their kids whenever they get sassy or they rebel. He might visit that iniquity on into their teenage years, their adult years. But anybody, is anybody with me? I want you to see this, that God, God says, I am like that. You know, uh, I'm always impressed with, and Carrie's working at the hospital today. I think she's wa watching online. Everybody say hi to Carrie. I think she's, if she's watching, she might get fired if she watches too close. But I want you, I want you to know this about God, is that he is a lot like a mama who puts up with the nastiness that's found in a baby. And you know, um, you know, I've changed diapers once or twice <laughs> and gagged most of the time while I was changing it. Don't understand it. You know, Grant, my youngest, when he was a baby, he had this, this really weird um, throw-up thing that was going on. I'm not talking about a little bit of spit-up. He was a projectile throw-up kid. And every, everywhere we went, we had to bring cloth diapers. With, I don't, can't tell you how many times I've been slimed by Grant when he was a kid. We're like, is this kid ever going to? And it would just gross me out. I'd be like, this kid stinks, and look, he gets stuff all over me. And I was always amazed at how patient Carrie was. I mean, he'd throw up all over her. I mean, bleh, and she'd just clean herself up, and she'd just look at him so sweet. And I'd pick him up by one ankle <laughs> and take him to the bathroom and just plunge him, you know, down in the water. I'm like, I'm like, my, my, my compassion level was nothing like hers until I had a grandkid. And let me show you something, everybody. I was just at Asa's second, this is, this is Abby's child, this is number five. I was just at Asa's second baby dedication. We, dedicated him here, but then Justin's family has a family church in Chattanooga. It's a primarily Indian church, and so you guys may have seen it online, but this is when I just showed up, me and Carrie showed up on Friday, and I, I, I just want you to see 
that that kid could projectile throw up on me anytime he wants to because all I feel is compassion and love for that little guy. And God is saying, that's who I am. Do y'all see the look on my face? I'm not saying I'm like God, but I'm saying that God is like that towards you. And you, and you think, man, I'm always messing in my pants. Sorry for the visual. <laughs> I'm always, I, I'm, I, I'm always throwing stuff up. I'm always upset. Because surely God's patience is running out. He will never forsake you. He is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. He is consistent. He is Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate God. Oh, I just hope that you get it. Sorry for grossing you out, everybody. But you know what? We are messy. I love this Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Leave that verse up. I want you to look at that, everybody. As the father has compassion, same Hebrew word, okay, rachum, as the father has compassion on his children, so Yahweh has rachum on those who fear him. He is compassionate on you. Let me give you another thing. It says, it says that Yahweh, Yahweh, a compassionate and gracious, gracious God. We, we love grace. This is, the, this is the Hebrew word hanum, and it generally implies to favor, that God grants favor. Favor is, favor is blessing that comes that's neither deserved nor is expected. Hello, I want you to get this because God is self-disclosing. You see me as the God that drowned the Egyptians and that's frustrated because y'all were dancing around the golden calf, but I can forgive because I'm committed to you like a mama loves her babies. And I am gracious. In fact, I love to invest in people who don't deserve it. Somebody ought to thank God for his grace. It wasn't just seen in Jesus, it was seen in Yahweh in the very beginning progressive revelation of who God is. It's happening here. I am the compassionate and gracious God, unexpected and undeserving. That, uh, that describes me. I, w I wonder if anybody else would say, yep, that's me, undeserving, and I haven't really expected the goodness of God. He's so good. To me. It's one of the first occurrences of this word is used in Genesis chapter 6. It says, but Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. The picture here is like a thief that breaks into your house and just steals some of your priceless, uh, most precious possessions. And you catch them red-handed, and instead of the beating that the thief deserves, you just bring them in the house and find what else you could bless them with. And from your possessions, you give this undeserving, unexpected blessing. You would never think of yourself that way, but I do. Because my life has been lived in such a way that it's left me very undeserving. And the expectations that of the way that God, everybody, I'm, I don't know if you can get this, but here's the problem, is that the way that we filter our understanding of God is usually like the thief, that it feels like I'm condemned, that I deserve punishment, that God's angry with me. In the midst of this Old Testament revelation, oh, oh come on, some of you just got to get free. Your, your self-image is so... I'm, I'm just telling you, it is so tainted by your, by your poor image of who God is. He is gracious. He's compassionate, full of grace. Think about that. To have compassion and not, and not show favor, to have compassion, a feeling, but not an action, not do anything about it, how frustrating is that? 
This is the goodness of God. That he not only does he have compassion, but he has the power to impart blessing to those who don't deserve it. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is God who has compassion on the throw-up kid, and he's reaching for the towel. Knowing full well, they're probably going to throw up again, but let's just get another towel. Maybe they'll grow out of it, but let's just bring another towel. Because we love this baby. This is our man. This is, a, this is our girl. You belong to God. And he's got lots of towels for the mess that you make. He's gracious to you. That's Yahweh. Then it says, Yahweh, Yahweh, God says, this is me. I'm the covenant God, and I'm full of, I'm compassionate and gracious, and I'm slow to anger. Guys, this is just so amazing that God is so slow to anger. You read through the New, Old Testament, and you're like, God's always ticked off. But you don't realize that hundreds and hundreds of years pass by where God is long-suffering, giving people opportunities to repent and turn away. If you read it like you're just looking, you know, through the window and this is happening, you know, in real time, then it looks like God's always grumpy. Listen, God gave Egypt 400 years to get right with him and to honor God. I mean, he even sent them Joseph in the beginning, but they're the ones that rebelled and gave them 400 years. Think about this. God is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. This, this, this phrase, slow to anger, about God, this is two words that become a compound word that's found in the Hebrew language. It literally means that he is long of nose. Now, that sounds really strange, doesn't it? But literally, literally it means, it gives us the word long, and it has to do with nostrils. Now, basically what the Hebrew image here is that God is long-suffering. He knows how to take a long, deep pause. Some of you have been through uh, anger management classes. Don't raise your hand. We don't want to know. <laughs> but if you've ever been through an anger management class, you're wondering, how does he know? Well, i just just saying, if you've ever been through an anger management class, they teach you when you're getting all stirred up to take some deep, slow breaths. If you haven't tried that, you should try it. Just some deep, sometimes they'll ask you, just take 10 deep, slow breaths. I tried that one time and passed out. <laughs> just kidding. But, but it, basically what, this, what God is saying is that I don't flare my nostrils every time somebody gets me upset. I'm long-suffering. I take deep breaths. You know, have you ever seen somebody that can't maintain their composure when they're angry? Their nose goes red, their nostrils start getting wide, and you're taking a couple of steps back, right? This is about to go down. This is not God. He's slow to anger. God is saying to Moses, I'm not hyper-reactive. I love this, 2 Peter verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He's long-suffering. Now, I know that I'm ministering to you today about your revelation and image of God and how He relates to you, but you know that we are, we are His people. And we represent him as ambassadors of, to the Lord. And we need to learn how to be long-suffering ourselves and not quick to react in anger. It says also that Yahweh is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. And then he says he is rich in faithful love. I'm just moving methodically through this. I'm just going to give you a couple of more of these. But he is rich in faithful love. Now, this is a very interesting word that's translated in this Holman version. Um, it's translated, I, I did a, a study through this, and I found if you did this, if you went home and you Googled this verse and you looked at all the different translations and how they translate that word, you'll find that some say his loyal love, some say faithful like he said. Uh, the most popular word that's used to describe this Hebrew word is the word steadfast. 
Steadfast love. You ever heard, have you ever read the Bible, read through the Bible and saw the words steadfast love? Every place that you see the word steadfast love, it is the Hebrew word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, hesed. This is a fascinating word. It's a big word. It's, it's, there's over 200 times it's translated in some way love, and it has to do with loyalty. It has to do with faithfulness. It has to do with long-suffering. All these things are connected. The word is hesed. It's, 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 it describes big love, which is very fitting because God is such a big God. And I want you to see oftentimes how that this word is translated. In, in Psalm 136, David really pressed into this. You'll see this almost 80 times in the book of Psalms, this word has said is being translated mostly steadfast love. Psalm 136, he says, there are 26 verses, and 26 times he uses this word. He says, give thanks to the Lord. There's, that's Yahweh, by the way. Everybody see it's capitalized? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to Yahweh, for He is good, for His hesed endures forever. And then there are 26 times, verse after verse after verse. Verse 2, give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his hesed endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who, who by understanding made the heavens, his steadfast love endures forever. This is his hesed. This is his loyal love, his steady love. This is his dependable love. It's faithful love. I just got you, you just got to see this and get grasp this, even in the Old Testament, in the midst of all kinds of chaos and rebellion and judgment and trial and devastation, he is steadfastly loving his covenant people. In fact, the word has said, it can be described in three ways. Number one, it is an initiating love. We love him because he first loved us. You might think that you just started searching for God, and maybe a friend turned you on to the Bible. Maybe your parents brought you to church. But God's initiated the revelation of His love in your life, because that's what He does. Some of you know this very clearly, because you're like, I was doing just fine. And then all of a sudden, I start feeling convicted. I start asking questions about, is there really a God? And I start feeling prompted to go to church where I used to make fun of people. Now I want to be there because God is initiating something. I love this about God's said that it is He who is initiating love. It is also His covenantal love. It's basically God saying, I will always do my part, and I'm committed to the covenant, our covenant that was ratified through Jesus, and then it is steadfast. Everybody, if you are feeling unloved by God today, I want you to hear that God is speaking to you personally in this message. If you are feeling left out, or if you are in dread of God and feel like as though maybe the difficulties that you're going through in your life is actually God punishing you, then you don't understand who God is. Because Yahweh loves you like a mama loves her baby. Hello? And Yahweh loves to bless his people when they are undeserving and it's unexpected. And Yahweh is slow to anger. He's not like us. He's not quick to flare his, his nostrils at us every time that we mess up. I'm telling you that Yahweh initiates with this compassion and this grace, and he is steadfast. No matter what you've done, his has said it extends forever. Did you see that? 
His love, his hased, his steadfast love endures forever. Endures forever. That means you'll never exhaust it. It will never diminish for the rest of your life and all into eternity. You will be loved by Yahweh with a steady, loyal, faithful, steadfast love. And if he's got to clean you up with some towels, he's got plenty of them. Is anybody listening to me today? This is the God that you love and the God that you serve. Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God. He's slow to anger, rich in faithful love and truth. This is the last description that God gives of himself when he's disclosing. He's like, I'm the God of truth. See, I just, I just love this because he's saying, Yahweh's true. I'm true. You want to find true north? That's me. You want to find absoluteness that you can count on? That's me. And I know that we, have a world, we, we live in a world that re- rebels against truth. But this, what's very interesting about this word, it's, it, the Hebrew word is emet. And what's very interesting about this word is that the image that comes with it is that of a rock. That God is as solid as a rock. You can build your life on Yahweh. The storms aren't going to blow you apart. There's no... There's no shifting sand under God's feet. You're not going to die one day and stand before a throne and God say, oh, I was just kidding. He's rock solid. And I don't know, some of you have been shifting. Maybe your devotion to the Lord, I want you to see that Yahweh is good. And he's let his goodness pass over your life. He is gracious. He is loving. He is steady. And when you get a full revelation like this, you kind of like Moses, all you can do is get down on your face and worship. Come on, let's stand together, everybody. I think maybe God may be initiating lovingly initiating something in your life right now. Maybe online you're watching this and you're like, wow, I haven't thought of God like that. Most of the time, most of the time you feel like you're in trouble with God. But God's initiating something in you through this revelation of who he is. And I just wonder, are you tired of dancing around this false image of God that you've created? This is an idol. It's empty. It's dead. The living God is Yahweh. If you look at the screen, I just want you to get this revelation that He is eternal, that He is consistent that he is compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's lovingly loyal, and he is true. So bow your heads with me, everybody. If you're in here right now and you say, Pastor Ron, I need this revelation to come alive inside of me because I feel God is distant. And I wonder sometimes, is he really true and real? But God's, hey, hey, listen, I'm talking to you. Can you hear this? God's self-disclosed. You should hear what God, not what I'm saying about God, but what God is saying about himself. And my encouragement to you is to respond to the initiating of his love to you right now. If you're in here and you say, I feel like God is distant, but I want to come back close. I want to get right with God. I wish you'd just lift your hands. I want to pray with you if you're in here in that condition. 
Okay, I see hands that are going up. There's several places. Well, there's too many to count. A bunch of you are responding to this. I'm, I'm Father, I'm praying, God, so much. Holy Spirit, that you would reveal the Father and he, who he is to every person that's been listening, but especially those that are raising their hands. And Lord, we, we're kind of like Moses. We've, we have seen your power and we know you do great things, but we haven't been able to really see your face. We want your glory. We want to know you. And thank you for revealing who you are today. We accept by faith that you are compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and loyally loving to me and that you are true. And by faith, I say, yes, God, I want you. In fact, I wonder if all over this congregation with those that raise their hand, you could say, that's who you are. Say that with me. That's who you are. And I want you. Say that again, everybody. That's who you are. And I want you. So God, pray this with me. Remove every barrier. Come on, say that. Remove every barrier. Every sin. Every thought. All my false worship. My idolatry. I've been dancing around the wrong things. I know I've made a mess of my life. take the towel and lovingly clean me up and make me your own. This day, I give myself to you. All that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be. God, I declare, I am Hey, if you prayed that prayer, God just really did something in your life right now. Let's give him praise, everybody. Come on, Moses fell down and he worshiped. He said, I see you, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, steadfastly loving and true. And I lay my life down. I worship you. Listen, today just worshiping God together. Come on, saints, if you prayed that prayer, let us help you. Come on, let's worship.